the missed opportunities. I thought our guys played their hearts out, particularly on defense. You know, offensively, our guys battled. We weren't as, as crisp as, as we could have been, but, um, you know, gave ourselves chances at the end. I uh, just had to take advantage of, of um, the opportunities when you have them against Tom. You can't give him the ball back in that situation, and he, he did what he does. Cliff Kingsbury Sunday night after the Cardinals lost in overtime to the Buccaneers to fall to 4-11 and 11 on the season. Two games left at Atlanta and then against the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara. That, those comments, Bick, on uh, that game came two mm-hmm. days after ESPN.com on Friday published a story that was reported by Jeremy Fowler and Josh Weinfuss. Uh, who covers in, the team locally, the covers latter. the team locally, mm-hmm. and Jeremy Fowler, one of their uh, national NFL insiders. Mm-hmm. Are the Cardinals nearing the end of the road with Cliff Kingsbury? It was a very lengthy piece. Mm-hmm. Talked about a number of issues, and this <laughs> there's been no shortage of issues with the Cardinals um, on the field, off the field this year. Um where, where do you even want to start with it? I mean, the the last line to me was the, the lasting impression that I had. I tweeted about this, too. Mm-hmm. Um, a source close to Kingsbury speculated, quote, maybe Cliff will just resign. Tired of the BS. Yeah. I don't think that would happen. But if it's that bad, I, I, I'm, I, I'm still bracing myself for the Cardinals to give Cliff Kingsbury another year. And there were things in this article that lead me to believe that as well. Okay. Um, one of them is the revelation uh, in this article, Bick, that to Cliff Kingsbury had grown dissatisfied with Sean Coogler's job performance, mm-hmm. had taken him up out of any game planning duties, and wanted to get rid of him earlier before the incident in Mexico City. Right. But Michael Bidwell reportedly didn't want to pay the buyout yes. on Coogler's contract. Yes. Yes, uh, I think that that was one of the very, very telling anecdotes in that in that story, if true, and I and and I'm not sure why it wouldn't be, but uh, that tells me a couple of different things. Mike Jarecki, I think, reported that Sean Coogler was adamant about wanting to run the ball, run the ball, run the ball more. So, so you had an assistant coach who was promoted to sort of be the overseer of Cliff to kind of help mold Cliff into more of an NFL head coach and less of an air raid head coach. You've got a guy practically, basically usurping his authority by not agreeing with what the head coach wants to do. Mm-hmm. And so when the head coach and, – and think about that. Think about how bad that must have been for a guy like Cliff Kingsbury, who's a very decent, moderate, reasonable guy, to go and tell somebody, I need him gone. That tells you something to me. That tells me something. Yeah. but uh, the, the- and, and so – and then to say, nope, we're not doing that – I, I think it, there was that famous screenshot of Cliff at the end of that game in overtime when it mm-hmm. looked like he had just swallowed a, a quart of motor oil, <laughs> right? He just looked that his sick to his stomach. Eyes yeah. were barely even his open. Eyes were barely open. You could see everything just kind of hit him in the face um, at the end of that game that he was not going to get a home victory on the way out. There was going to be no reprieve from from all the uh, bad headlines and all that kind of stuff. When, when you when you step back and you kind of look at 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 the mold here. Part of the reason why I say the fundamental issue here is beyond Cliff Kingsbury. It's the weird organizational structure. It's this bizarre hierarchy that is passed for um, a, a, fr- a football franchise this year. Yes. And it's been revealed. And so when you've got a head coach who's been stripped of all authority, a head coach who didn't hire his own assistants, a head coach who's not even running the offense he was hired to run, and, and now he's coming to the owner and saying, listen, I, we, I've got a problem with this guy. Nope, we're not, we're not letting him go. We need him. He's the guy that oversees you. 
<laughs> it's not good, man. But, so, but, I mean, it's, it's yeah. And again, but again, Cliff's had a, any number of time times to, to kind of, to kind of, create his own identity here and he's been far too obliging he's been far too willing to let elders hire his coaches he's been far too willing to to you know to do it their way but the terminology used uh from multiple cardinal sources that bidwell did not want to pay kugler's contract buyout kingsbury loyalists cite the situation as evidence of the coach's limited control in arizona first if if this is true michael bidwell was unwilling to pay sean kugler's buyout he's not going to He's, we have to assume Cliff Kingsbury's buyout would be much more weighty in terms of, of money paid uh, due with five years left on a contract than Coogler was owed. But the quote that followed that uh, from uh, a source close to Kingsbury, quote, he knows that it's not a situation that lends its, itself to him being happy and successful and at his best for the organization, which he wants to be. They won't let him. They won't let him be great. Yeah, I thought that was kind of laughable. But <laughs> um, the idea that Michael Bidwell was too cheap and didn't want to b- pay the buyout, that's not that's reported. That's not necessarily true. They might have that might have been the reason, but it also might have been, no, we need him here to safeguard you. You. Mm-hmm. Because he's, you know, that's because that's kind of what he's been. True. There was a time not that long ago, a couple years ago, when when the Cardinals got off that seven zero start, people were, uh, thank goodness for Sean Coogler bringing a more physical, run oriented approach to this offense because it needs it because mm-hmm. that air raid stuff isn't going to work. Look, it, it's I, I've said for a while. Cliff has kind of given up the given off the air of a guy that just would rather not be here, and there was nothing about his demeanor during the game or after the game on Sunday that would lead me to think otherwise. But I mean, again, that last line, just walk away. That yeah, no, that's, that's not listen, realistic. And again, but again, I, we also do not know. We do not know what that contract looks like. No, I know I keep going back and saying this. I am not. I I am not assured that that contract is fully guaranteed. Okay, I am just not. More on Cliff that's brought up in this article. Okay, his aversion to con- uh, confrontation. We know that. Yes. Um, the fact that he, the the fact that he and Kyler Murray have this passive aggressive relationship where they can't even look at each other and and say I've got an issue with you. This is what I don't like about you. I got a lot of issues with you well, people. But, but that's but isn't that the way alpha male fiefdoms in the NFL have to work? Yes. Okay. Adults. Adults. Yes. Yeah. And and so that I thought was a little bit weird as well. Um, there was a lot of weirdness in that, but but that, that that struck me as well that that there that these two guys don't even communicate, and at some point in time, you know that's that's a big issue. A guy just got fired in Denver because of this. Yeah. And wouldn't you rather have two guys screaming at each other, but letting it putting it all out on the table? Getting it over with, putting it behind them, rather than just like you said, that passive aggression that yeah, just continues. Right. Yeah, Cliff just doesn't have that in him. He's just not a Ugh. "I'm barking at you" kind of guy. But being confrontational is so fun. You're really <laughs> missing out, Cliff. You are. <laughs> it's a joy. Occasionally, yeah. If you're, no. if you're consistently confrontational, it can get old. Of course, but hopefully, you're pick, fixing whatever you, you need your, to confront yeah, you with that confrontation. Spots. Yeah. So, so the fact that that Kyler Murray and this negativity about him, I thought that was an interesting choice of words. You know, we know that he's a little awkward in terms of the communication department. Is he really that negative? I mean, who knows? The, the, the article cites 
the the you know the verbiage used by Cliff. Everybody's got to play better. The fact doesn't that, call out anybody individually, but doesn't do it behind closed doors. Apparently, according to this article, either the fact that Steve Kime not only is on a medical leave of absence, but but his presence in the building has waned dramatically this mm-hmm. year. And that caused personnel problems mm-hmm. because the coach and the GM weren't on the same page. Kyler Murray late for a meeting the week of the Patriots game. Mm-hmm. Coming off the bye, by the way, where, hey, it's a new start and he's late for a meeting, which, uh-huh. you know, that's about the least damning thing in this whole. But it's still a thing. It's still a thing. Yeah. It's the lack of accountability that we see in this football team. It's a lack of leadership that we see in this football team. It's dramatic. And it's that, that really, I hope there's some lessons learned here because, you know, you watch football and you see successful football teams. There's a clear delineation of authority from top down. You think anybody in Baltimore gets sideways with John Harbaugh? No, because because there's discipline and accountability, and it's it's just not here. And it's this team's this team is it it's in for an industrial sized rebuild. Well, yeah, I, I agree too. It's it, all the conditions are there for it, except for those damn huge contract extensions that just got well, in the way. Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> I, and I understand that as well, but but at the same time, I just see... Uh, there's no way that, that that they can run this back in this form next year and have and have any kind of credibility whatsoever. Well, so, that's, that's the key. They can run it back. They and can. And they can very conveniently lean on the injury excuse. Mm-hmm. But the second part of what you said is true. Even if they go down that road and they start the year with Cliff Kingsbury and maybe Steve Kime back at general manager, their credibility is shot. Listen, injuries are an excuse and injuries are real and injuries are part of the game. But injuries are also adversity. And good franchises know how to deal with adversity. Look at the 49ers and how they deal with injuries slash adversity. Dealing with adversity is one of the worst things about this organization. When when they're 7-0... Ten and one, everything is great. But we even talked about adversity in game. Mm-hmm. They don't deal with it well. No. Get behind no, the sticks. And, yeah. Oh, might, might as well punt. We're, we're off schedule. Yep. Got to punt. Yeah. Yeah. No. Listen again, and it's like we just saw over the weekend a football team com- complete a third and thirty. That would never happen in Arizona because it's give up time. Yeah, it's screen pass for five yards. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Uh, <laughs> so it was an interesting listen, read, if nothing else. Well, but man, it, is, it was it, it was damning. But it it just shows you. It just sort of shows you the dysfunction we all kind of feel coming off this football team. It's did any of it surprise you? Not really. No. No. Same. Uh, let's see here. What do we got coming up? We got, uh, <laughs> we're talking Suns. We're talking, what are we uh, doing? We're what talking we doing, Phoenix Benny? Suns basketball. Should they be bracing for a prolonged absence from Devin Booker? Oh, no. Oh, it's Pickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Pickley and Murata mornings. Uh, Booker, what, what else um, got to update on in terms of what? Uh, what did you see when it happened? I didn't even see. They, they came to me uh, walking the sidelines and they said, "Man, we got to get booked." And I looked up and uh, he had that look on his face, and I knew uh, something had happened. That's uh, Dwayne Rankin of AZ Central with uh, Monty Williams following the Suns' loss uh, Christmas night to the Denver Nuggets. Devin Booker's big return. There was a 
air of hope and optimism. Yeah. He lasted four minutes, re-aggravated the groin injury that had kept him out for three games. And uh, not much in terms of an update with the Suns on the road. Devin Booker will not play tonight against Memphis. But I think you're probably looking at something resembling a prolonged absence for Devin Booker yeah. because uh, because of caution. Yeah. Groin and, is not something you want to screw around with. No, and, and clearly for it to happen that quickly in the game. Now, it might all be happenstance and coincidence, but it's also an indication, possibly, that he pushed it a little bit and came back a little bit too soon. And, uh-huh. I, and, and maybe there was a little desperation involved after that loss Friday night to the Grizzlies about, uh-oh, we got the Nuggets, it's Christmas night. It's a huge deal. Maybe Devin Booker pushed it. Um, I think the corollary is exactly what you said. I think in response, it's going to be they're going to have to err on the side of caution here because the last thing you need to do is take this issue and make it a gigantic issue going forward. Yeah, I mean, the key is this team or whatever this team's roster looks like in April being close to 100% health. Um, April seems like it's eight years away from now. Um, but, you know, the, the yeah. Suns have a lot of basketball yeah. to p- play between now and then. And, you know, through the early season adversity, they had kind of steered through that. And we're still at the top of the of the Western Conference. The Western Conference is ridiculously tough. Yep. It's bunched up. They're 19 and 15 now, four and nine in their last 13 games. Um, you, you go on a, a three or four game losing streak and you see the results of that. The Suns have lost three in a row. They got five games left on this trip. This is going to be potentially the rockiest. I hope it's the rockiest patch for the Suns this year. Oh, that's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I hope so, too. Yeah. And so, again, I, th- I think they showed a great, a real admirable level of fight um, against the Nuggets. I thought Landry Shamit put forth another really good game. And, and hopefully he's made some sort of breakthrough. And this isn't just one of those hot streaks. Um, I thought Damian Lee was good. I thought Chris Paul was really good. But then you got into those crunch time minutes, and that's kind of where the where the Suns kind of fell apart a little bit. Clearly, they need more from Mikael Bridges. They need a better DeAndre Ayton because even though his stat line against the Nuggets wasn't bad, I mean, you could say it's good, compare it to who he was going against, and it was a blowout. Mm-hmm. And and not that he has to be better than Nikola Jokic, who's a two-time MVP, but you got to make you got to balance those numbers out a little bit. So yeah, and and this is just going to kind of test the will of everything here in terms of you know what this basketball team is and when they can make a trade and and all that kind of stuff so it's this is fascinating to me because like I said I think there's I think there's a bigger story looming here and I think that you know you've got a new owner in Matt Ishbia who's coming into this basketball team and and he's coming in at a time when things aren't the greatest and he's coming in at a time you know when there's been some drama attached to this year's team from last year I don't know how he's going to interpret all this you know and it's this is going to be interesting to see how this all kind of plays out. Yeah, but you know, every day that passes, we get closer to that January fifteenth date. Mm-hmm. Do the Suns want to do something drastic at that point? Then you got the the looming trade deadline in early February. February ninth is when the trade deadline hits. The Suns need to do something roster wise oh, between now oh. and the deadline. Uh-huh. Uh, and I'll go back to two games ago. Tonight's opponent is the Memphis Grizzlies. They were here on Friday night and. Don't let the score fool you. It was only a 25-point victory. 
It was far worse than that. Yeah, it was. It was one of those losses, Bick, that I think are occurring way too often for the Suns team right now, where they're not competitive from the jump, but it also illuminates all the issues and ingredients that they're missing in this roster. Yeah. And maybe that's an overreaction because mm-hmm. it was so one-sided. So. But Memphis is really tough, and when they're playing their game, you saw it. And, and they've got attitude. They've got agitators. I mean, that was a 25-point win without John Moran doing much. I know. Desmond Bain's first game back. Uh, I walked away from that game thinking, okay, here's here's the thing that the Sun, uh, here's what's on the Sun shopping list before the deadline. Uh, they lack size. They lack rebounding. They lack uh, proven scorers. They lack. Um, it's a long list. They they lack uh, consistent three point shooting and shot making. They lack athleticism. I mean, there's a lot of things yeah. that they did that, that were really illuminated this in that is, game. This is what I'm, this is what I'm talking about when I, when I when the new owner comes in and goes, okay, I've been hearing all these great things about my executive of the year. Why why do we have all these needs? That's why I think it's it's this is going to be a real interesting time for everybody. Um, it, but so I look at this and I think you're exactly right. This is what is the most discouraging of it all is that game against Memphis, the game against the Celtics, the last game against Dallas. There's just a complete disdain for the Suns from a physical standpoint. And these teams are coming in and just pushing the Suns around. That game against the Grizzlies, the Grizzlies had as many offensive rebounds in the first quarter as the Suns had rebounds. Mm-hmm. And that's a sign of a team that isn't really kind of respecting you. No, they they came in and they, and they were rude guests, and, yeah. they, and they got away with it. And so, so you're talking now, you've got, what, nine of the next 11 games are on the road? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> this is... So tough, and th- then you get back, and then you got the Brooklyn Nets on the nineteenth, and we we've we've speculated on that date. Well, what guess that- what? That that means nothing. The Brooklyn no. Nets now have won nine straight games. Yeah. Kevin Durant's doing; he's going nowhere. I know Th- those right. rumors are dead. So it's it seems to be Kyle Kuzma or a bust at this time, right? It does, and you know, but you what are you gonna put- have to do? To, what are you gonna have to give up to get Kyle Kuzma? Well, that's uh, that's what I get frustrated with with Sun uh, a portion of the Suns fan base is that wow, imagine Kuzma on a team with Aiton and Booker and Chris Paul and Cam Johnson and Mikel Bridges. They're not trading Jay Crowder one for one, <laughs> right? <laughs> you got to give up something to get something. That's what I'm saying here. So I so what goes along with the Jay Crowder piece and and also the the report over the weekend that was also alarming is that that GMs now are turned off by Jay Crowder now so this is now this is a plan that was also hatched by the Phoenix Suns and so there this asset is either really diminishing or that's a front from teams that are trying to catch the Suns in a in a deficit situation I don't understand the stance from either party in this standoff no, I don't understand. Do I. I mean, Jay Crowder's been very hush hush about everything other than his work ethic, uh, which you know, collecting checks while he's away, loud and does, clear, doesn't take a whole lot of work ethic. But he even responded <laughs> to that report that was out. He there. did. He dragged did. my name through the mud, and I'll come out smelling like a rose. Yeah, and I'm like, okay, you're well, dragging your name through right. the mud. That's exactly right. Yeah, I don't, man. Um, what I think too, Bick, in, in closing this segment before we move on, is that. The strength that the Suns have had, you know, in in the year they went to the finals and last year and went in sixty four games, and it's being challenged now. 
the strength, the advantage that they had over every other team was the culture, the togetherness. Yes. That culture and togetherness is, and Jay Crowder is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Jay Crowder has affected that culture. Let's make no mistake about it. Mm-hmm. It's not as strong no. as it once was. No, you're exactly and, right. And you pile on injuries on top of that. And now Landry Shamit, who probably had his best stretch as a Phoenix Sun, now he's on the shelf with an Achilles injury. Mm-hmm. He was averaging 22 points a game over the last four games yeah. and shooting 44% from yeah. three-point range. Yeah. Now he's on the shelf. Yeah. Yeah, and listen, and and that that three point shot that he missed right before at, at the at the end of that at, at near the end of that Nuggets game, he was right on top of that one. So yep. I mean, he is locked in right now, yeah. or was locked in. Yeah, yeah. It seems like every time the Suns get a player who's starting to excel offensively, Cam Johnson, campaign Landry Shamit, they go on the shelf. Ugh. Life in the NBA in twenty twenty two. Coming up next, Sarah Cazell will get us caught up on the big stories of the day with the Rush Hour reboot. Spickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Rush Hour Reboot. Rush Hour Reboot. Getting you up to speed on everything happening in sports this morning. Brought to you by Brooklyn Betting. Arizona built for America's dreams. Welcome into the Rush Hour Reboot here on Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Our first show back since the holiday weekend. Guys, how was it? It was real. It was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, listen, I had to work Christmas night. That was, uh, like I told Vinny, it was a really a perfectly wretched way to end a beautiful Christmas day. <laughs> and you're just making noises over there, Vince. That well, good, he's, huh? he's got a, his youngest son is trapped in oh, Arkansas. That's... Arkansas. Arkansas, of all places. My goodness. Uh, we're taking you through the top stories of the day. Thanks I'm Sarah Cazell. <laughs> I'm Sarah Cazell with Dan Bickley. Hey. With Vince Murata. I see. Bah, humbug. <laughs> and Lauren Koval, who is still on the controls in place of Jarrett Carlin. Hi, Lauren. how smooth it's still going. Uh, yeah. Hello, everybody. Have we fired Jarrett yet? <laughs> yeah. Yes, let's you start available there, tomorrow? Yeah. Yes. There's a scathing article coming out today on ArizonaSports.com about oh, no. the inner workings of the Bickley and Murata show that will shock you. They won't let Jarrett be great. <laughs> yeah, we're all just yeah holding Jarrett back. We keep asking <laughs> for him to be great. And it ends with the line, maybe Jarrett will just walk away. <laughs> tired of the BS. <laughs> oh, That's we do funny. miss Jarrett Carlin. That's funny. But of course, we don't. You know, the show is always more fun when he is here. All right, let's get into the top stories of the day, starting with, unfortunately, Unfortunately, the Arizona Cardinals, that wretched game that you mentioned, Dan Bickley, and they lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in overtime on Christmas night, 1916. The Cardinals held a 10-point lead with about eight minutes left in the game, uh, but they allowed Tampa Bay to score a touchdown and then a field goal that tied it up, forced OT, and then the Bucs took it in overtime. So the Cardinals now have lost seven of their last eight games and uh, finished the year with just one win at home. One win at home. My goodness. Oh, yeah. Here's Cliff Kingsbury, who joined Wolf and Luke by phone yesterday. He said the game was full of missed opportunities. Yeah, just some missed opportunities. I felt like, um, you know, we let that, that swing pass get out for 44 yards, which is a huge play in, in the ball game. We talked all week. You know, big plays was something they'd been struggling at. If we could keep those uh, under control, we'd have a chance to win the game. And then us, obviously, on that third and one, not being able to execute the pitch and, and turning the ball over, we had a chance to drive down and take some time off 
and, and hopefully put the game away. Those were two huge plays, and um, you know they made them, and we didn't. All right, here is Trace McSorley as well on how he thought his first NFL start went. Okay, good and bad. I think obviously. Uh, number one thing is we didn't win the game, um, so that's that's what's going to linger and that's what's going to hurt the most. Um, but there was you know some positives to come out of it, uh, some things you got to get cleaned up, um, and a lot of that will start with me coming in this week. He said there were some positives to come out of the game. Did you see any positives to come out of the game, whether with Trace McSorley or elsewhere? Um, I thought Greg Dorch was really good. I thought J.J. Watt was really J.J. good. J.J. Watt was a wrecking ball for a portion of the first half. Marco Wilson getting two picks on Tom Brady. Although I mean, there's picking not, off Tom Brady ain't what he used to but be. But there's not many guys that can say they yeah, picked off true. Tom Brady that's twice very, in one game. True. So very, Marco, very, Marco's true. got that feather in his cap. Other than that, not really. No, I, listen. I what, what was interesting to me is that the Buccaneers and the and 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 the Cardinals are both kind of broken football teams. Yeah, both have the oldest rosters in the NFL. They rank one, two in terms of roster age, <laughs> and the Bucks have a forty-five-year-old quarterback skewing their number. <laughs> What's our true. excuse? What's our excuse? <laughs> oh, that's so true. Uh, what it, let's hone in on Trace McSorley for a second. Probably okay. the only time today, I assume that yeah. we'll break down Trace McSorley's performance. I thought. Yeah, what do you yeah, think? I thought he was. Competitive. I, I thought. I thought he did fairly good. I mean, yeah, if you're going to expect a game without mistakes and blemishes, that's. I don't think that would have been reasonable. Sure. Not everybody's Brock Purdy. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I thought he. I thought he was good. I, he wasn't great. He wasn't the reason they lost. Um, I, he was serviceable. He was. Yeah. But in yeah. being serviceable, I mean, in three turnovers. He was responsible for. Mm-hmm. One was a strip sack, which was just a great individual play. Uh-huh. One was the the doomed pitch play, which I don't pin on him. Nope. I, pin, I pin on the play caller. And then the last one was a Hail Mary uh, at the end of regulation, which which got picked. So. And, and why didn't they try, just attempt, a 68-69 yard field goal in that time? I don't know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you just, have to lose? I, that's I, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't know because dude made one from fifty six earlier in the I day that would have been good from sixty five, sixty six. Yeah. So whatever. Yeah. yeah. All right, Bick. You wrote in your column that night. Quote: The Cardinals have lost twelve of their last thirteen games at State Farm Stadium. Unless owner Michael Bidwell responds with a massive house cleaning, there will likely be massive attrition among season ticket holders in twenty twenty. Three, you know, sick of watching their team lose at home. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the threat of the Cardinals losing paying customers, well-paying customers, would be enough for Michael Bidwill to clean house, as you indicate? Is, I, is I your gut feeling that that will be enough, I, or would be I, enough? I, I don't know if it would be enough. I think it's part of it's an amalgamation of of issues, and I think it's it's one of the issues at the forefront is their utter inability to perform well and reward home fans and win home games. That's a that's a sign of a very sick franchise. And, and so I, it's funny because after I wrote that, I heard from some Cardinal fans afterwards who said, oh, no, we're still going to buy our tickets. We're just selling every game. Uh, so, yeah, so I'm like, okay, that's great. Well, that's, that's even part of worse. Attrition. Yeah. That's well, part that is attrition. attrition. And yeah. it's not like the old days, Sarah, where you know they played in Sun Devil Stadium. They put you know a wretched product on the field and people just didn't show up. Right. Because opposing fans didn't want to go watch games at Sun Devil Stadium either. Right, right. They're, I mean, Vic hit on the on the key. The seats are still going to be filled. Just not in red and yeah. black and white. Yeah. But that money spends the same. Right, yeah. 
Hey, and if you can make some dough off of it, yeah. especially this time, you know, around these economic times, why not? All right, let's get to the ESPN report that was published on Friday that you guys touched on a couple of segments ago. Josh Weinfist, Jeremy Fowler, they published a long piece that gave an inside look at the current state of the Cardinals, and it is, um, as assumed by our, our, our listeners, our fans, it is not pretty. The report indicates that Cliff Kingsbury could step down or would consider stepping down because the situation there is not sustainable. Uh, a source told ESPN that Kingsbury has not received the resources he needs to win mm. games. Mm. They won't let him That's get what joke. he needs. They won't let him be great. Yes. That's a joke. That is a the, joke. The, the, hasn't gotten the resource. That's a joke. They've done everything to give him toys. Everything. But 100%. the fact that that came up as a possibility that, that he might walk away way leads me to believe that contract may not be fully guaranteed. Yeah. Because if that contract's fully guaranteed, only an idiot would go, hey, you know what? I've had enough of this. I'm just I don't you really just, happy right you now. just keep all those millions of dollars you owe me. Right. And the report also says, I mean, there are a lot of things to pull from that report, but it also says that the tension between Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, you know, especially pre-injury to the quarterback, is very obvious mm-hmm. to those around them. And that before the injury, Kyler's negativity was, quote, starting to get to people around the organization. Guys, let's assume that Cliff Kingsbury is back next season. He's not fired. He doesn't step away in the offseason. How do the Cardinals fix this reported dysfunction with the current cast of characters? Michael Bidwell, Steve Kime, Cliff Kingsbury, Kyler Murray. How do they, how, fix, how do they it? fix it? Yeah. Um, there's not an answer to that question. I don't think it's fixable with the current cast of characters. No, you have to uh, the owner has to go hire Sean Payton and and back out of the way and, and let football people make decisions. There's a lot of examples of this. When owners get too involved in the day-to-day, their football teams do not succeed. Look at what's going on in Indianapolis right yeah, now yeah, yeah. with Jim Irsay. Look at what's going on there. That Jeff Saturday hire hasn't worked out very well. Huh. Who knew? (laughs) Okay, you mentioned Sean Payton. We got to talk about the Broncos firing Nathaniel Hackett yesterday. A 51-14 loss to the Rams on Sunday. Finally got him next. Uh, He's the third coach fired this season. Matt Rule by the Panthers back in October. Frank Reich in November. And now Nathaniel Hackett uh, with the Broncos. Marcus Spears said yesterday on ESPN that, of course, Sean Payton, the bell of the ball right now, should be Denver's first call. If I'm thinking about leadership, if I'm thinking about a guy that was able to take a franchise somewhere they had never been, work with quarterbacks, Dan, some of the requisites you talked about the day in and day out, the responsibility of leading 53 men. You guys know I know Sean Payton. The one thing that every player to a man will talk about with him is the leadership qualities and how everyone is involved. Okay, so the Broncos' current situation is pretty rough. They've got that albatross of a contract for yeah. Russell Wilson. Mm-hmm. No first going there. Yep. Yeah. No, no first or second round draft picks next spring, though a few in the third round. And then you've got the Cardinals, all of the dysfunction that we just discussed, and Kyler Murray not back until October at the earliest. But I feel like that is pretty pie in the sky. October. What's the more attractive situation for Sean Payton right now? Denver or Arizona? It's not Denver. I'll tell you that. Unless the Walton family and that money is is what's appealing to Sean Payton, but he's not he's not that guy. That That's something Urban Meyer would do in my opinion. I, I think Sean Payton is not going to go to a place where he can't win. So t- to me, over the weekend, I forget who it was, but a very smart football person said it's either going to be the, either of the LA jobs or Arizona mm. are going to be the front runners. The Chargers are not going to be open. No. The, the Rams might be open. 
and Arizona should be open. So I, I again, it's it's just how it's really. Sean Payton's made it very very clear that he's not going to a place with organizational ownership dysfunction. So how he views yeah. the Cardinals is going to be essential in all of this. But he was a ball boy. He, oh, he was. So Don't forget that. But I, I mean, the Broncos could very well change their front office structure too. George Payton is not on very solid ground there mm-hmm. as, the, as the GM. But I, uh, I think it's kind of going to win with that quarterback. How are you going to win with that quarterback? How do you fix that? I don't know. He's going to be healthy week one next year. I I mean, Russell Wilson isn't going to miss. His teammates hate him. Look, I don't think either then one. Then again, of them we is... might have that problem here. Too. Oh, sure. <laughs> we might. I well, don't think either one is very attractive. Quite honestly. At least you know Kyler Murray's not going to be doing high knees in the airplane aisle anytime oh. soon. Oh. No. <laughs> <laughs> so, point right. Kyler. We're all rebooted. Thank you, you Sarah. Thank you, guys. Rush Hour Reboot every morning at 7.30. The big stories of the day. Coming up next, we'll have a little bit more elaboration on that situation in Denver. Nathaniel Hackett lasted 15 games with the Denver Broncos. And there's a big sigh of relief coming from the Mile High City. We'll get into that and more NFL hash marks next. It's Pickley and Murata mornings on the this Tuesday, live from the Ak Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Morata. Hash marks. For a good portion of this NFL season, Vic, we were wondering, is Nathaniel Hackett going to make it out? And the answer is no. Nathaniel Hackett after... I didn't think the L.A. Rams were capable of scoring 51 points yeah, in a game. How about that? But they did it. They mm-hmm. hung 51 on the Broncos uh, at SoFi Stadium over the weekend, 51-14. And ownership in Denver was just like, enough is enough. And Nathaniel Hackett, it was a disaster from week one through week 15, and he doesn't make it all the way through the season. Unbelievable to me. First of all, as I've said before, a very smart football person, source of mine, told me directly, Nathaniel Hackett and Russell Wilson, perfect for each other. Mm-hmm. They are going to blow up together in Denver. We're going to oh, wreck this league. Yeah. They, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right out of the Johnny Manziel playbook. Um, so so the, the outcome of this story is stunning to me. The fact that Russell Wilson has, has kind of just lost it overnight is uh, amazing to me. Mm-hmm. And, and the fact that the Broncos chose right here and now to pull the plug. Yeah, they've had they've got so much. There's so little lack of control in Denver that you've got players just unloading on one another on the sidelines, almost getting into fist fights. You've got you had that blow up between a defensive player and Russell Wilson happen right behind Nathaniel Hackett, who did his best three monkeys impression. Hear no evil, see no evil, say no evil. (laughs) Right. And and so so to me, the swiftness of it was something it was. uh, And again, they did this. The new ownership group did not hire Nathaniel no, Hackett, which no. is really kind of uh, uh, the bottom line here. So, so people looking for parallels with the Cardinals—that's where that's where the difference is. Cliff Kingsbury is going to finish the year out. Like you said, the big difference is, is the Cardinals have not been on the receiving end of one of these fifty-one to seven games. Yeah, I mean, we saw it in two thousand twelve. Mm-hmm. The Cardinals were floundering. They went up to Seattle. They lost fifty-eight nothing. And, yeah. and while Michael Bidwell didn't make a change right there. That was the fuel to make sweeping changes with the organization. And yeah. when you get embarrassed like that, yep. uh, and that was a nationally televised game, mm-hmm. the Broncos-Rams game. 
it, 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 it kind of was was the last nail in the coffin. Yeah, right? no, that's exactly right. And I th- and I think part of the reason why this football team hasn't absorbed one of those games is mostly because of J.J. Watt and Buda Baker, a couple guys on defense who have who have played with the intensity and the passion as if this team were in a playoff race. And, and and th- that's a reflection of who they are, but because of that, I think that they've they've kept that defense on the chain all year long. I would agree. So it's allowed the team to compete. I would agree with that. Uh, Adam Schefter of uh, ESPN on the Hackett firing. Oh, he was going to be fired. The only surprise is that it came today, a day after Christmas, and not at the end of the season, which I thought the Broncos ownership group would be patient with. But after the team embarrassed itself yesterday, there was no choice, I think, that they felt but to do it today. And in the reboot, we had the conversation about, mm-hmm. all right, uh, you know, let's go down the road and play the possibility game. The possibility is the Cardinals' job opens up. Sean Payton is going to be the number one candidate for these jobs that open up. Um, he wants to get back into coaching. He can be patient if he wants to, and, and maybe that's the tact he takes in looking at these openings. But, you know, in in breaking down Sean Payton, maybe working with an undersized quarterback in Kyler Murray. Russell Wilson also fits that mold. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson is certainly more proven as a starting quarterback at this point than, than Kyler Murray. It looks like the drop-off is pretty substantial. However, first year playing in a new offense uh, offense under Nathaniel Hackett, Sean Payton might view that Denver situation and say, yeah, I, you know, I can work with Russell Wilson. I, I don't see it. I, and that defense is pretty good. And, but, they, but, and they have some playmakers. But they've, they ran Vic Fangio out of there, and he's going to be... Sean Payton's defensive coordinator. <laughs> so, I mean, it, I, I just don't see it. I, 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 The money is there. The ownership piece is there. But I just don't think he's going to make the mistake of, of, well, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe, maybe he's looking at Russell Wilson and says, okay, I can get this guy back to where he was. We'll, we'll find out. I, I think it's interesting how public Sean Payton is making this um, in terms of announcing his candidacy without really doing that. So for leaking out the fact that I'm putting together this super staff that's going to feature an extremely accomplished defensive coordinator along with all the stuff I bring to the table, that's that's interesting to me. Yeah. Uh, elsewhere around the league, it was it was weird, you know, having that much football on a, on a holiday weekend and mm-hmm. all that football on Saturday. Um, there was some intriguing things that happened. You had uh, the Vikings getting another victory, 17 points in the fourth quarter to overtake the Giants, 27-24. The Minnesota Vikings, 12-3. and Yet I still don't think – I think the people uh, – the list of people that's considering them a real Super Bowl threat is still very short. They're having, they're having one of those magical seasons, Vinny. They're pulling games out at the wire left and right. They won on a 61-yard field goal this uh-huh, time, uh-huh. right? Um, so they're feeling it again. It's it it's and and the new narrative is when will Kirk Cousins get his due? Answer: You there is no due to be got now. It's the regular season. Yeah, <laughs> true. He'll get his due if he wins it's playoff starting games starting in January. Yep. That's when you get That's your right. due. Steve Wilkes and the Panthers beating the Lions, pounding the Lions. pounding them thirty-seven twenty-three, and the Panthers. Keeping the pressure on Tampa Bay. So that was a huge win for the Buccaneers, by the way. It was. Uh, it was not pretty, but they needed that to hold off the Panthers, who are now at 6-9, and nine, Buccaneers at 7-8. At and eight. How about this? We could be looking at a postseason that includes both the Carolina Panthers and the Jacksonville Jaguars. The Tennessee Titans swan song 
it looked like they were just going to run away with that division. Mm-hmm. They started hitting some trouble. They fire their GM. Mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill goes out. Malik Willis is proving he's not the guy for the job. Mm-hmm. And they are squandering that lead. And the yep. Jacksonville Jaguars are one of the hottest teams yeah. in football right yeah, now. Yeah, that, that would be quite something, wouldn't it? Yeah, listen, when you get back to the Buccaneers, it, it, it to me, Steve Wilkes and the Panthers deserve to be in the playoffs far more than that Bucks team. That Buccaneers team has now won three games that they had no right winning just based on uh-huh. clutch play from Tom Brady at the end that overcame a real bad performance from Tom Brady up to that point. And yet, they still have to get got. So, I, I believe Carolina still is going to win that thing because they've got a head-to-head with Tampa. And you would think Carolina, I mean, the way they're playing, the way they're running the football, mm-hmm. they should be able to just blind right through yeah. that bucket. Yeah, you defense. would hope. You would hope. Uh, it's time for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Liam Proctor is a junior at Horizon Honors High School. He runs cross-country and track and field. He plays in their symphonic band. He participates in student council, and he's part of the National Honor Society, all while keeping up a 4.61 GPA. If that's not enough, he also suits up for the Desert Vista High School hockey team and serves as their team captain. Through his love of hockey, Liam volunteers with the junior tight program at AZ Ice Arcadia, which teaches uh, young kids the fundamentals of hockey. Liam has also volunteered with organizations like Feed My Starving Children, Nourish Phoenix, and the Phoenix Public Library. After high school, Liam hopes to attend the Air Force Academy, a goal he set for himself at just 12 years of age. Way to go, Liam Proctor, this week's nominee for Character Counts, presented by Parker & Sons Cooling, Plumbing, Heating, and Electrical. Uh, which are looking for their next uh, student-athlete to win a $10,000 scholarship. Text CHARACTER to 620-620 to nominate a student today. Coming up next, we kick off the second half of the Tuesday show with... Fire! Fire! The Bickley Blast. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.